We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Hey, what's up, Dynasty Command Center Nation? It's Curtis Patrick and Travis May. We're going to do some teaching on this episode. We're going to introduce a metric that is in its second year on the website. It's a metric that that Travis actually created. Super interesting. It's super timely because we're going to we're going to apply it to the rookie class. You know, we just got done with the NFL draft. Everyone's right in the midst of their the rookie drafts and doing new startups. We're also going to apply this bad boy to the Devi players and and show you how you can use it as a scouting tool moving forward. So I'm I'm really excited to talk about this for the second the second spring in a row and really try to get this into people's skulls as a new resource, Travis. So, you know, long-term fans of Rotoviz and, and long-term listeners of our pod or, you know, legacy members of the Dynasty Command Center Slack, they obviously know, you know, Rotoviz, we use uh, we use production metrics as our, our primary scouting tool really uh, when it comes to Dynasty. You know, we, we've got things that have been created by uh, Sean and, and, and refined over the course of time by others like breakout age and dominator rating that weigh heavily into our prospect evaluation process. But last year, you know, you, you came up with an idea that maybe would paint a fuller picture or maybe a fairer yeah. picture. Yeah. Another way of saying for sure. that um, for, for prospects. And I know you and Blair kind of worked on this and you got it where 
it's it's pretty pretty exciting. So just take a minute and tell people about your new metric called adjusted production index. Sure. Yeah. So it's it's pretty simple. Uh, I really just wanted to kind of get a, a, a bird's eye view of uh, what a player's production profile looks like in the games that they played. Uh, so it really just combines three different variables. I mean, uh, we've all heard of dominator rating, uh, basically a player's market share and receiving yards and touchdowns. Uh, and more recently, uh, we've kind of dug in and found out that yards per team pass attempt, which is exactly what it sounds like, uh, yards per team pass attempt is actually an even stickier metric by itself than uh, dominator rating is in terms of predicting uh, future NFL pr- production. And what that does is it kind of speaks more to rather than just a player's volume potential, it speaks more to their their efficiency uh, within the scope of their offense uh, and their ability to generate a, a high clip of yards. Um, when asked to do so in their given offense. And then lastly, it, it targets uh, touchdowns per team pass attempt, which uh, isn't actually independently as sticky or meaningful as dominator and yards per team pass attempt in predicting future production. But it does have a pretty strong correlation to uh, draft capital. Uh, players that have a, a high uh, touchdown percentage and, and score touchdowns all the time, like take you know Henry Ruggs this year, for instance. He, like his... Production profile overall is not great, but his touchdowns per team pass attempt actually kind of buoys him, and he actually uh, was taken really early. Uh, so that happens from time to time. But when you combine those three into one kind of singular score, you, you kind of get a more complete and more fair <laughs> assessment of uh, maybe they don't have a perfect dominator, maybe they don't have a perfect yards per team pass attempt, or perfect one thing, but you get a, a better idea of who a player is uh, from a volume, efficiency, and scoring standpoint so it's just kind of a from a few different angles and i'm looking at a player's peak season so the the season where they they performed the best um you know because there are plenty of times where you know maybe there's an offensive scheme change or quarterback change and maybe they had a fantastic sophomore season like Juju smith schuster did and then actually drops off in his final year and people kind of fade them when realistically that last year wasn't necessarily the most accurate reflection of the of who a player is. So I look at a pe- player's peak season, and then I adjust the profile, and then I'm just looking at the games in they, which they played. So if they're injured for two games, I'm not docking them uh, in, in terms of their, their uh, dominator or yards per team pass attempt numbers uh, because they missed two of the 13 games in their season. But overall, just trying to understand uh, what makes a player um, efficient and what, and what makes them have a good chance uh, at scoring fantasy points at the next level. Okay, man. So there's there's a lot to lot to digest yeah. there, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna sum this up um, and, and how and, and how I heard it and how I'm reading it in your piece. So um, you know, yards per team pass attempt. We're focusing there on player efficiency, yeah. and so you know where dominator rating can be a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, I think if, if, if the team doesn't pass a lot, but the player simply gets a lot of volume, even if they're inefficient on that volume, you can kind of fool dominator just a little bit. Absolutely you can. (laughs) Right. So, so yards per team pass attempt, that's a different way of measuring how that player operated within the, within the offense. Um, and then the yards per team pass attempt, uh, or excuse me, the touchdowns per team pass attempt is a way to find really just a different type of player because the NFL, I mean, Everyone, I think everyone is sensitive to highlight real plays, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the touchdowns, that's what we see. You know, we like to see those big breakaways. And, and certainly, 
you know, any team that's scouting any player and doing a heavy film eval, even if they don't watch every game a player plays, they're certainly watching all the scoring Absolutely. plays uh, <laughs> of anybody they're, they're significantly interested in. And so it's not surprising to me that you found a correlation between uh, touchdowns per team pass attempt and and draft capital. And I, where, where I think that's interesting and, and where we'll talk later in the episode about applying that to the Debbie piece of this is if we can use that piece of adjusted production index to understand which players who fail in other parts of uh, of your your index but excel there, we, that might be a way of, of identifying some sneaky day two pick. Before we get into the stars of adjusted production index in the 2020 class, I want to hit you guys with the FFPC stat attack of this episode. Uh, FFPC, of course, is where Travis and I prefer to play our high stakes dynasty fantasy football. And at Rotoviz, we've got some great tools to measure ADP in startup drafts. So the stat attack of the day is over the past 30 days, only two rookie wide receivers have startup ADPs in the top 50. And they are CD Lamb at 42.6 overall and Jerry Judy at 44.6. Zero, the FFPC stat attack of the day. Of course, FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event, my favorite high-stakes redraft event every single year. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, We've got all the tools you need at Rotoviz that are designed specifically to dominate the format. You are a terrific salesman. Okay, Travis. So we've talked a little bit about what adjusted production index is. But then, like, how do we understand a player's index in context to other prospects? I mean, is this so this is literally like just a score that you know you, you can compare year over year. So like I I can take somebody's index from 2014 and compare it to you know, 2019 player and, you know, I I can directly compare those things. Yeah, you absolutely can because I'm using kind of a a player database that spans, I think it's about 12 or 13 years that that, uh, it kind of generates kind of a baseline uh, for each independent variable. And so they're kind of being tested against the same body of of former NFL players to kind of uh, project out future NFL production. So yeah, yeah, year over year, you can look at a player and say, hey, you know, uh, Hakeem Butler had uh, this, uh, and Marquise Bar- Brown had this in 2019, and then you can look at this year and be like, "Oh wow!" But Tyler Johnson kind of killed him in in both categories. And Ceedee Lamb, you know, he hits draft capital and this, and you know, and it's easy to kind of look at their scores and just understand because it is kind of a one to one there. Okay, so I'm looking at your your article. So Travis posted the 2020 top rookie wide receivers in adjusted production index on May 19th. It's uh, it's still on the front page of Rotoviz over in the dynasty box. And I'm looking, it looks like you've got this organized into the index score and then API API percentiles. So, so the percentile would be a great way of kind of understanding that historical comparison. So with, with that in mind, I mean, who are some of the top rookies this year in API percentile over your 12 or 13 year historical sample? So this year, uh, the number one rookie in this class that, that uh, got both draft capital in terms of uh, day one or day two uh, draft capital and uh, the best API score is CeeDee Lamb. Uh, his, his adjusted production index was 3.34, which is 
90th percentile uh, across of, uh, you know, basically in the last 15, 20 years, he's a 90th percentile uh, productive player from a few different, few different angles. And he got the capital. So it's pretty much a, pretty much a slam dunk. Uh, at least uh, it looks like the safest player in this draft class at wide receiver. So, so, okay. So you say 90th percentile yeah. in 3.34. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's great. Okay. But I'm a new, you know, I'm new to this metric sure. and I mean, what, what does that actually mean? I mean, so what is, I mean, what is the accuracy of, of predicting future fantasy success or hitting on that rookie draft pick, you know, on a player with a 90th percentile level score, or if it's not 90, you know, what is the percentile kind of benchmark you're looking at in order to make a player a good? Yeah, target? absolutely. So and with every one of uh, these metrics that we test at Rotoviz, it's not like, saying that because this player has a 90th percentile, he's got like a 90% chance of hitting. It's not really like straightforward like that. We like to see certain thresholds. Uh, We really like to see higher percentiles because then their comps are even better. But like a 90th percentile player, uh, you're looking at some really, really good all-time scorers. I mean, you're you're putting him next to guys like uh, Amari Cooper, uh, Calvin Johnson, um, even like Hakeem Nix, Tyler Tyler Lockett, guys like that, they're they're in the same kind of range. Even like Tyler Boyd, um, but he actually has better draft capital than than most of those guys outside of like uh, I guess Calvin Johnson. So really, really like to see a player in the upper echelons because you're going to get guys with just absolutely elite uh, production scores up there. But realistically, if a player hits the 60th percentile, that's that's kind of like the baseline. Uh, in my analysis, looking at several hundred wide receivers uh, over the span of several years, um, it's really hard to find a few examples that were successful uh, that were below uh, 60th percentile if they missed draft capital, especially. But even if they got draft capital, but they were kind of you know in the the mid range, they might be able to hit. Uh, like Dio Samuel is a good example last year. Like he barely missed the 60th percentile cutoff. That doesn't mean he can't hit. We just like to see that 60th percentile because he falls in a a group of wide receivers that have, have shown to be more successful. Okay. Yeah, sure. So so let's let's focus on the 60th percentile then. You told me CD is up at the oh, 90th. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there. I mean how, how many how many rookies in in the 2020 class uh, hit the 60th percentile and you know who are they and I, I'm going to be listening to see if there's any surprise names or if it's you know I'm kind of kind of secretly hoping it's it's the guys that uh, we've been ranking highly all off oh yeah well I'm just going to go for the guys that, that hit both draft capital and uh, API at the 60th percentile okay. for now when you say hit draft capital I just want to clarify you're talking top yeah, 100 top 100 you know because that's basically that's day one okay. day two guys uh, this year. So you got CD lamb. He was picked 17 90th percentile adjusted production index. You got Brandon. Ayuk, Arizona state. He was actually, there's kind of a big drop off after lamb. He was, he was only 73rd percentile. Uh, obviously got the first round tag there. Uh, Denzel Mims was uh, 71st percentile. Uh, LaVisca Chenault was like 0.4 percentile below him. I think he was 70.8 or so. Uh, and then you got uh, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, and Chase Claypool all in the 60th and 60th, fourth, 64th percentile-ish, that type range uh, this year. So eight guys this class that hit what, what we like to see in terms of their adjusted production index uh, and draft capital. And now that might confuse people a little bit just because, um, you know, Chase Claypool and Brandon Ayuk don't hit in terms of their, their breakout age. 
but uh, they do in terms of their, their peak numbers, they did hit what we like to see. And as we apply this to Debbie moving forward, yeah. it's a way we could have we could have known about Chase Claypool or Brandon Ayuk, uh, even though we would have missed them using you know the things that are kind of the, the, the historical favorites of the site like Breakout mm-hmm. Age uh, and, and Dominator, you know, kind of going hand in hand there. So, I mean, gee, so I'm thinking these names: Ceedee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, Lavisca Chenault, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool. So that's basically, except for Claypool. That basically reads like half of the top 15 in, uh, in Dynasty Rookie Drafts yeah. in any Dynasty Rookie Draft that I've done Absolutely. Um, so far. There's a couple names missing, though. There's a couple names missing that I want to ask you about. Sure. So um, I did not hear Henry Ruggs. So it, it doesn't surprise me that he would score lowly here. But you use him as an example, I think, in the lead-in, talking about how you know his adjusted touchdowns per team pass attempt might have buoyed him a little bit, even though he would have he would have failed on some of the other things sure. in, in API. So what percentile was Ruggs in and is there anything any takeaways from his profile? Yeah, so his touchdowns per team pass attempt were like sixty uh, fifth percentile or something. So that was the only range where he actually kind of hit acceptable numbers. Like okay. his peak dominator like was around twenty percent, which is not good. <laughs> like that's like a full standard deviation or more away from what's normal in terms of uh an, an average draftable NFL wide receiver uh, yards per team passed him. Team missed it again, pretty hard. <laughs> like his was like 1.99 and average score is like two and a half yards per team pass attempt. So he missed it by a wide, wow. wide margin there. So his profile was actually around the 30th percentile, which that doesn't mean he can't hit again. That doesn't mean he can't hit. He's got the, you know, he was, he was taking 12th overall. He's probably going to be, uh, given some targets uh, if, if the team doesn't want to look like they're really bad at their job. But um, really, if you get below the 30th percentile, or, or specifically um, when I originally did this, I kind of broke these up into quintiles, like kind of groups of 20th percentiles, 40th, 60th, 80th percentiles, and things like that. If you're in the, if you're below 20th percentile, you are in a basically impossible to hit type range, uh, but he's not quite there. You know, I, I'm privileged. I've got, I've got access to the database. <laughs> so I'm looking here and, you know, the 30th percentile is right around a negative 1.44 API. So I'm just looking in this area for other Nate. I mean, guys, I'm just going to read down it's the bad. list because <laughs> this is this is a little brutal. Now, there to Travis's point, it, there's there's some there's a couple names that would give us hope. Yeah. On Henry Ruggs. I'm going to go a little bit above the 30th percentile and just kind of go down. So I've got Marvin Jones. He's more in like the 35th to 40th percentile range. But then we're talking like early Doucette, Chancey Stuckey, Tandon Doss, Jordan Payton, Lucky Whitehead, Jacoby Ford, Mark Clayton. So Mark Clayton um, popped just a little bit. Kenny Stills has popped a little bit. Um, Brian Hartline had, I think, two top 24 seasons. Definitely one top 24 season. But then, I mean, Jakeem Grant, Ricardo Lewis. I, this is this is an ugly range. This is an ugly range in, in API. And so I, I think it confirms, you know, this is a different way, of course, looking at Henry Ruggs. It's still production-based. We know he's going to fail probably any production-based metric. And the reason that people are on, are on him has nothing to do with his production. But even when we give him a little extra credit and basically give a third of the weight of his profile just to his adjusted touchdowns, per team pass attempt, it's still not enough to save no. him. And so that's why why I think API is interesting there. So enough on rugs. People have heard us rail on rugs for months. <laughs> um, let's let's focus a little differently. So you, you said that Debo Samuel narrowly missed last year 
And so I, I see like a couple guys, you know, that, that were missing from that eight that we read mm-hmm. off. You know, I didn't hear Pittman. I didn't hear T. Higgins. I uh, didn't hear Brian Edwards. So is, are any of these guys kind of right in that range? And, and if so, is there anything about any of their profiles that would put you on them over one of the others? Yes, and I, I think uh, a lot of – I actually had some questions when I was initially posting about some of these scores on, on Twitter. And Brian Edwards, uh, people are like, wait, where's Brian Edwards? He actually had a really good dominator. And it's true, uh, if you, especially if you do like an adjusted look at his dominator. His peak numbers were, uh, I think, uh, 48% or something like that just off the top of my head, which is – Plenty, plenty good. Like that's way above average. Like, you know, it's, you know, 33%, 34% or something adjusted is, is decent. And he creamed that. So he was really good in that department, but his yards per team pass attempts were not actually great. And actually his touchdowns per team pass, uh, pass attempts were not great. Um, and so he kind of didn't check the boxes there and, and missing on yards per team pass attempt, which actually kind of has proven to be even more meaningful. Um, that, that worries me a little bit, uh, but when he got the draft capital, even so, you know, I think he was a 52nd percentile. So I, I really like Brian Edwards, and I really like his early breakout age, uh, early breakout age, the uh, elite athleticism that I know he has. Um, so I think that you know I still have Brian Edwards really high, but um, you know that's just a player that's missing one or two things in his in his profile to kind of hit what we like to see. So I'm still predicting that he'll be a long-term NFL player. And that's the kind of player that you see at like around the 50th percentile, even in the 40th percentile range, you see a bunch of long time role players, uh, but you don't always see like the big time owning a a wide receiver core type players in that range. Mike Evans, Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, guys that had like brief uh, windows. Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. So it's Steve Smith. So I see, yeah, I mean, I definitely see some people who ended up not just being NFL players, but, you know, extremely fantasy viable. Mm-hmm. There's still, there's definitely some whiffs in the 50s. Because, I mean, you got like too, Justin so. Hunter. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even like, you know, you got like Ted Ginn. Like, he's a longtime NFL player. He's been around forever, but he doesn't necessarily, you know, carry you through, through fantasy uh, as much. You know, in your article, you focus a little bit on Denzel Mims and LaVisca Chanel. Yeah. And so I want to just spend a second here. So their API comps with, you know, similar draft capital. I mean, they, they land on a pretty elite list. So I'm, I'm looking at uh, a list that ranges from Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. to T.Y. Hilton to Keenan Allen to Dwayne Bowe. And, and really the only comp for Denzel Mims or LaVisca Chanel in this range uh, that misses is Devere Posey. Yeah. So. Uh, you, you know, does, does seeing all these comps and Sims with, you know, does this put you on them more? Did you push them up your draft board, you know, post rookie guide when you finished API, did these guys vault up your board anymore, uh, after seeing their, their closest comps? Uh, not really just because I was with both of these guys have been watching, um, Mims for three years, uh, in LaVisca for two. So I, I kind of under, already understood that. Well, LaVisca's not going to improve on his numbers in his final season because of how things went. And Mims just killed it throughout the Senior Bowl season at the, at the Combine. So after he checks the Combine box and he checks all the production box that, boxes that we've already seen, I'm probably going to have him really high. And then when he did get the draft capital uh, inside day two, that just nailed it and was like, okay, yeah, I've got to rank him pretty high. And he landed in a spot where he can succeed. So um 
yeah, I'm I'm really high on. I think I'm the highest on our team on Mims, so <laughs> definitely like this this duo. I think uh, I think TJ Calkins will have something to say about that. I think TJ <laughs> TJ ranks what, whatever's above one. I think is where where he's got. You're definitely higher on Mims than, than I am. I know for yeah. sure uh, that you are. So good on that. Uh, guys, if you're looking to last longer or go a few extra rounds, you wouldn't be alone. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they're going to work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't have to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line, uh, having people wonder, you know, what is what is this guy there for? Can I get an amen? Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost. And once you approve, your order ships straight to your door, and it's going to be packed up discreetly. Here's a great deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, and last longer tonight. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back on the track, and Bet Online's got hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. It's a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament. You can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, this is pretty sweet because I watched this, I watched this whole thing, Travis. BetOnline's got ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline is your online wagering solution. with the last dance the documentary yeah man it made me feel like a kid oh, again yeah, man. so I, I grew up i was definitely a, a kid in the 90s you know i mean i'm like what third grade or something you know when the bulls are at like the height of their their dynasty and i mean i just worshipped mj you know we didn't have social media i didn't know all the shady dealings that were going on <laughs> I, I definitely was a kid that wanted to be like mike you know my dad's getting me uh you know the jordans running around and, and y ball thinking i'm all that and uh, it just, it seriously just made me want to run through a wall watching Phil talk to the team and uh, watching Rodman, you know, grind out those rebounds. I, I had a lot of fun watching that thing, yeah. man. So, I mean, like, I, I grew up in Indiana and I was a big Reggie Miller fan, big Pacers fan. Oh, but no. even so, <laughs> like, I still, like, I, I couldn't hate the Bulls for what they were doing because it was just too great. Like, my, my oldest son just turned nine and uh, I, I don't think he's quite old enough for a little bit of the subject material that was in there, <laughs> yeah. but I can't wait, like, Maybe two or three years from now, when he when he kind of understands some of this stuff, can't wait to watch that with him and, and share one of the goats uh, with him. So let's apply API from a Devi perspective. Sure. So both you and I rank Devi players at at Rotoviz, and the utility of that, you know, for listeners that maybe don't play in Devi leagues, you should still absolutely pay attention to Devi rankings because you need to know what that next pipeline of players looks like, and you need to read Devi content. So you understand the relative value of a rookie pick, you know, in a subsequent year, you know, guys like Travis 
and Jordan Hoover over the past couple years. And then, you know, more recently, I think Stefan Laco and Matt Wispy have gotten involved with our Debbie team. These are guys who are going to help you understand what next year's rookie first, what next year's rookie second are worth, even if you don't play Debbie dynasty football. So, you know, and, and I, I'm guilty of this. I mean, you know, five, six, seven years ago, before I got into Debbie, I would just kind of roll my eyes when I heard people talk about college football players or college fantasy. <laughs> and, and, and then I finally, I mean, I was, in, I become enlightened to understand that even if you don't play, you still need to know it's, it's a way to find an edge. And if you're playing, whether it's high stakes or high volume in dynasty, either way, you got money on the line, you got pride on the line. You need to understand what's going on uh, in college football. So um, we're going to use API because tra- I mean, Travis has already got this updated. I mean, we already know where the peak seasons of the people that are still in college football, we know where they're at. Yeah. Now these scores could change because they could throw up a new peak this year, but we've already got some people who have really popped. And so, you know, I, I, Travis, if you would just share maybe like, Hey, who are the top, you know, three, five, six players who already have a percentile score that's impressive in college football. Sure. Yeah. And, and this is, I was looking at the top five and I was like, man, this is a really sexy list. So you got uh, Chaterius Tutu Atwell. He just goes by Tutu Atwell for Louisville. Uh, he actually has an incredible 91st percentile uh, adjusted production oh. rank uh, already. Uh, and really, that's mainly just in one season because uh, he kind of went off with uh, Mikhail or Malik, whatever you want to call him, Cunningham this past year and put up a ridiculous 4.24 adjusted yards per team pass attempt uh, clip, which is like almost two full like standard deviations away from the mean, which is, you know, he's like way up there, like 90th percentile, 90th, 90th percentile type numbers in yards per team pass attempt. But his, his, his score is, is looking incredible. The only knock on him is uh, he needs to add on a few pounds. Cause he, I think he, I don't know. I think his list weight's like one sixty something. So he needs to add some pounds. Okay, so we got a we've got a Hollywood Brown here type. But in terms of his API, that that's a CD Lamb number. I mean, he, you just told me he's ninetieth percentile. That's he could do Lamb. nothing. He could do absolutely goose egg this year. I mean, he's not going to do that. But he could do that, and he would already be where CD Lamb's profile was uh, in terms of big picture. So really incredible. I think, and and really, I think a lot of people are coming around quickly and, and automatically assuming he's already going to be a day two guy next year just on his vertical threat and scoring ability. So I'm excited to see what he does because uh, Malik Cunningham or Mikhail Cunningham, whatever whatever you want to call him, because he's a, he's a really low, low-key you know, Heisman sleeper this year just because of uh, what, what Louisville uh, could do. But uh, after him, uh, you got Tylen Wallace, Oklahoma State. Obviously, he had a shortened season last year, so he could have really improved these numbers um, had he kind of been playing a, a little bit longer. But Tylen Wallace... Uh, I think the real draft people aren't as as high on him, but uh, he was a Bletnikoff finalist, uh, what, two years ago? Uh, Just an incredible player. Uh, I think a lot of people think he's going to be a day two guy as well. Probably not round one, but, you know, an early pick. Then you got Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I know people were kind of burned by Tyler Johnson this year, not getting the draft capital, but, but Bateman is almost just undebatably better than Tyler Johnson. And even as a true freshman, uh, he put up, uh, I think he was almost at the 30th percentile or so uh, in terms of his adjusted production index as, as a true freshman, which, by the way, that, that doesn't sound great. Uh, and I'm not saying 30th percentile compared to other freshmen. I'm saying 30th percentile compared to future NFL players like coming out of college. Like he was already 
already almost average <laughs> as a true freshman. Uh, and that was with Tyler Johnson on the field. And last year he, he just came out and, and now he's got an 86th percentile adjusted production index score already and could peak, peak even higher this year with veteran uh, Tanner Morgan returning and Tyler Johnson gone. So he could put up ridiculous numbers and have the, the, the best numbers in this class next year. Uh, and then you've got Sage, uh, Sage Surratt from Wake Forest, or Sage Surratt, sorry. I, I always said Surratt when he was recruiting. I just can't shake it. But uh, he actually got injured last year uh, but uh, lost the competition around him in uh, Kendall Hinton and uh, Scotty Washington and uh, gets a quarterback who loves to throw the ball to him in Sam Hartman now at the helm um, with Jamie Newman going to Georgia. So Sage Surratt. Wake Forest, and then uh, last but certainly not least, uh, to round out the top five in current adjusted production index score uh, that are you know still in college, you got Jamar Chase from LSU. You know the guy who I think he scored 40,000 40, touchdowns or so, something like that uh, last year for LSU. Just uh, an absolute crazy bonkers score. Even being surrounded by other future NFL talent like Terrace, uh, Terrace Marshall and and uh, Justin Jefferson, of course. Uh, he's a top five NFL draft pick type player. Uh, So it's funny that, you know, five guys that are pretty much locked into day two capital next year are already looking like they're kind of no brainers, just looking at their adjusted production profiles. You know, we, we talked about Tutu Atwell being over 90th percentile, but the other four guys you mentioned, Tylen Wallace, Rashad Bateman, Sage Surratt and Jamar Chase, all four of them would actually in this year's class, if you slid them in, in this year's class, they'd fit between CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Ayuk. You've got you've got my attention here. We think this could be the twenty fourteen wide receiver class for fantasy purposes all over again, right? I mean everyone has just um lost their mind over the quality of depth at wide receiver this year, even though they've slid down the board relative to the, the running backs. I no one's complaining about the wide receivers this year. We've complained about some landing spots, but we're not complaining about the receivers. And, and we're looking at next year, these draft-eligible guys for 2021, and you're telling me I got five guys that would rank second or better in this class. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that that's remarkable. So um, absolutely remarkable And in, in terms of, um, I think, if anything, in, in, in terms of being actionable, you know, if you need to reload on wide receiver, knowing that you got more recruits coming in next season, that's, I think that's even more ammo- uh, or, or I guess supporting argument for me to spend even like a second round pick this year in a rookie draft on the back, knowing I can replenish wide receivers next year. So, so maybe that leans me towards taking, you know, a guy I'm not super excited about, like a Keyshawn Vaughn or a, a Zach Moss type at the the early to mid second round, if I understand what's coming in Debbie next year. So, um, you know, we're going to continue to keep API front and center for you guys moving forward, because I, I think people need, they need to add this to the repertoire. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're not going to stop talking about the other metrics at the site that have led us to so much success over the years, but we've got one here that I think belongs on a pedestal right next to it. And it's another tool that we can use to make sure we're not missing some of these guys. So takeaways, CD lamb, uh, you know, hard to poke a hole in that profile. Henry Ruggs uh, is what we thought he was. <laughs> And we've got a lot, a lot of reinforcements coming in Devi in 2021 and beyond, thanks to Adjusted Production Index. So, Travis, man, thanks for the education tonight. Um, I, you know, I, I think I speak for you when I say, if anybody has questions about API, I mean, Travis is always great about answering stuff on his timeline. 
at FF underscore Travis M, uh, even DMs. You can hop in the Dynasty Command Center Slack, ask him some questions about that. But he'll continue to keep API updated you know, throughout the course of the season. We'll see how some of these college football guys rise up the ranks. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.